Welcome to Full Blown Coverage, just another football podcast no one asked for. I'm Mark Sayer, and I'm joined each week by Andrew Irvin and Ken Menard. Boys, how you doing? Got my water back. Finally. That's right. It was great, man. Showering every like three or four days was a pain in the ass because I'm a home. I'm a home. T- I'm a home field shower. My home court shower. It was just a pain. <laughs> in the ass. It was it was like the most it was a very honestly, it was it was a very trying time and living without water. You know, you, we take those things for granted. Um, it was tough, man. It really wasn't easy, uh, but I'm just so happy that it's back. You have no idea. So how long do you not? have water then i took a shower on la- last sunday night not this past sunday the one before woke Ugh. up monday morning and it it hasn't worked since monday morning when i woke up until about uh maybe two two o'clock in the afternoon today so like 10 days pretty much days. yeah so, yeah yep so have you yep. just been like wiping your body in bleach wipes or just no i I've, uh both um i've <laughs> I went to other people's houses to shower. I went to other people's houses to fill up like uh, people, like people, you know, water. or people you don't know uh, both. <laughs> and uh, uh, I just knock on people's doors. Everyone's so damn nice. It's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I had like jugs of water. I had to like brush my teeth with and wash my hands. And we just, you just take those things for granted. Like yeah. my sink, my sink in my kitchen was like a mess. And I like it was just nice. I was like, I'm not cleaning. And, and that was a pain in the ass, too. I'm like, I'm not cleaning till I get water back because it's just going to get dirty again really quick because there's so much dirt and everything outside from the ice. So I just walk it into the house all the time. And mm. it's just uh, it's good to be back. Well, we're glad you're back to the world of water. <laughs> hey, Ken, water hey, Ken next, next time you look at a weather forecast like that, just take a one way trip to San Diego. Sure. It's been, I'm in, it's been man. nice. It's been great oh, here. It'd be great. It'll be great. We'll have a good time. We'll go get bagel Ritos. <laughs> yeah. My days, I had a bagel Rito for breakfast today and it started my day off. Right. That's it's a nice bagel Rito. Uh, it's exactly what you would think. It's like a breakfast. It's like a breakfast sandwich with a bagel, a fully encased bagel around it. Einstein. I got it from Einstein's bagels. If we, we're still pitching for sponsors of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something I would love to be sponsored by. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, sound, it sounds like a Taco Bell menu item. It does. Also, it's kind of leaning yeah. in that direction too, which isn't a bad thing. No, certainly yeah. not. Certainly not. All right, let's get into our. Carson Wentz moves from the bench to the saddle as the Eagles ship him to the Colts in exchange for a 2021 third-round pick and a 2022 conditional second-round pick. Ken, did Indy get away with highway robbery, or did they just pillage a grave? I'm going to be honest with you on this one. A lot of people came down on the Eagles for this, but more the more I looked at it and the more I think, think about it, I really think the Eagles just did what, what they thought was the best thing for their organization. And sure. even if they didn't get the haul that they thought they would have gotten for it, or people would have assumed they would have gotten, in my opinion, the Eagles did the right thing for their organization. Mm-hmm. They got a guy who didn't want to be there. He's off the books after next season. It gives them some extra draft picks where they haven't had a lot of luck lately or a lot of good fortune or, um, 
haven't been very well been doing very well drafting lately. So it gives them another pick and potentially another first round pick. And let's face it, man, they got rid of a guy who's completely and totally injury prone. Every year of his career, he's had injuries. He's had one great 11 game stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, uh, 2019, he pretty much got the Eagles to the playoffs by himself. So that says a lot about him. But he also did. It wasn't like you can say, oh, he had a he had an off year last year. He had an awful year last year. He was terrible. And, he, and on top of that, he didn't want to be there. So now that he doesn't want to be there, obviously, he took the Jalen Hurts draft um, drafting of Jalen Hurts very personal. So what does that say about his ability to overcome adversity? What does it say about his leadership skills if he can't be like, all right, guys, fine, you drafted him. I'm going to kick his ass and see you kind of like what Brady did with Garoppolo. Well, I think it says a lot about him. And frankly, they did the best thing that they had to do for their organization. All right. So, I mean, it's going to save them a lot of money uh, versus the cap. Uh, it's like 25 tw- over just over 25 million uh, this year and next, but they're taking the largest dead cap hit in NFL history, $33 million. Um, you know, and they, they did him a favor they sent him somewhere where obviously he wanted to go because Howie Roseman gave his agent, Ryan Tolner, the ability to look for a trade. The first team he called was the Colts. And did they get fair market value from him for him? I mean, all things considered, for a guy you're taking a chance on, who's obviously um, really maybe not the best leader on the field that you could have, I think they did what they had to do. They didn't want him there anymore. Mark, I mean, you're on movie sets. Drew works in an office. I work in an office. I mean, at some point, no matter how talented you are, they can't, you know, management can't wait to get rid of a malcontent, no matter how good they are at their job. And I'm sure you guys have experienced that. You've either been around it. You've seen it happen. So why not just say, you know what? Screw it. Our roster's old. They haven't drafted. The last Pro Bowl player they drafted was Carson Wentz. They really don't have a lot of good players. The ones they have are all getting old. Why not just cut ties now and start all over again? And, and honestly, I, I, I somewhat disagree with them getting fleeced like everyone's claiming that they did. They made the best move for their organization. But here's an interesting fact. Next year, the Eagles travel to Indy to play the Colts. That'll be a fun game to watch. Ooh, it will Thank be a God fun it- game to watch. Thank God it's not the other way around because I, I don't. Oh my God! I I I feel horrible if Carson Wentz has to go play in Philadelphia again. That's going to be ugly. Yeah, that'll yeah. be ugly. To your point, I was thinking about it. Like how many how many quarterbacks have ever had as bad? Like he was terrible last year. Like yeah. you're not overstating that. No. And I'm trying to rack my brain about how many people, how many quarterbacks have had as bad of years as him and then bounce back to be elite. I wouldn't have called him elite, but he was for a season Um, and bounce back. Like we're not talking about he threw, you know, 10 interceptions or something like he had one of the worst statistical seasons in NFL history last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's any denying there's a huge risk for the Colts in taking Wentz after last season, as, as both of you have said, that being said, third round pick, conditional second round pick, seemed like the type of risk I'd probably be willing to gamble on if I was the Colts. Yeah. 
who their you know present quarterbacks were on mm-hmm. paper there's a part of me that seems like this is a bad value for the eagles but i'm like you said ken i'm also not shocked uh, that this is the best deal that they could put together and it's a case where they probably had to just bite the bullet and take whatever they could to get rid of the guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. However, if Wentz returns to form, this is going to look like highway robbery. And I'm sure we'll all be talking about it for the next couple of years. That being said, I'm not sure like you guys have said that I think Wentz is any sort of long term answer for the Colts. I mean, even prior to last season, Guy struggles with accuracy at times, and this isn't just when he's facing pressure either. He's had a lot of misses in clean pockets with open receivers. And to me, Wentz has a bit of a mechanics problem, and his footwork is a mess. Sometimes he doesn't even step into throws. But Frank Reich is probably as good of a mechanic as any on this front as far as head coaches go, considering, you know, he played. Better mechanic than me, that's for sure. No, but – what the 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 one thing I'll say in defense of the Colts, um, contractually they're only tied to him for two years, sure. and like you said, they they didn't they didn't mortgage the house to get him. Right. Um, so it's worth the to me it's worth the risk for the Colts, and I agree with Ken. Like I was thinking about it too. Like think about everything that the the Eagles have given up for Carson Wentz. You know, to to get him, they traded five draft picks and three players. They're taking the like Ken said the biggest dead cap hit in the history of the NFL. And in a weird way, like he also kind of cost them their Super Bowl winning coach. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point you just got to cut bait. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of think it was a good trade for both teams. Like yeah. I don't think there was a better offer out there for the Eagles. And I think they had to move on. Yeah. And, and Mark, to your point about his mechanics, absolutely, man. He, I mean, he can also do things that a lot of other quarterbacks can, but again, the best ability you have as a quarterback is availability. And mm-hmm. I mean, you, the Eagles basically are, are saying to the Colts here, you take them. We don't think he's going to hit that 70% and make the playoffs or 75% and not. So you take them because we're pretty sure he's probably not gonna. So, I mean, maybe, maybe he doesn't play hurt. Maybe he doesn't suck it up. Maybe he does really well. And just, I don't know, but you know, he, maybe the, it just, maybe the he's Eagles never on the to- field. He's not on the field enough. He's maybe not. the Eagles try to maybe the Eagles try to hurt him in that game you just mentioned to uh, <laughs> yeah. move down thirty spots in the draft order. Well, well, that's that's not until the year after. But <laughs> ah, okay. But you know, but also, but think about this too from the Colts standpoint. The Colts are a great drafting team. They have a great GM. They have the best offensive lineman. Quentin Nelson is the best offensive lineman in the league. That guy is. I mean, if you ever watch a video on that guy. He is amazing. Um, and uh, they draft really well. They have a good defense. They won 10 games with Phillip Rivers, and he's a statue back there. But, again, he plays every week, so you know what you're getting. If if Carson Wentz can be healthy, you know, you know maybe it's a win-win for both teams, and the Eagles can just strip it down and start all over again. And, and the NFL is a year-to-year league. I mean, yeah. they, they, could, they could sign some – agents draft some great players and, and wind up going eight and eight this year and, and would that wouldn't shock anybody you know those things happen and and make the playoffs because they're in the nfc east <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's also you know, great, you know something i find amusing with them getting carson too is like <laughs> historically the colts have had like the whitest quarterbacks 
I've ever seen, you know, Jack Trudeau, Jim Harbaugh, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers, Burt Jones, Johnny Unitas. I mean, look at this list. I'm like, this is hilarious. They're all like the all-American white dude. They have to appease Mike Pence or he'll storm out of the stadium again. That's right. <laughs> they did have Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, but he wasn't really the starter. I mean, Jacoby Brissett might, could be a good choice for the Eagles to pick up to back up Hertz or Tyrod Taylor, somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, totally. probably, I mean, they should have just asked for Jacoby Brissett in the deal too. Why not? Yeah, they would have got him. I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Why not? I mean, I mean, but they, and again, the Eagles now that gives them a chance to evaluate their roster um, and see what they have, and and just like you said, cut bait and just uh, start all over again. Yeah. All right, in other quarterback drama, the Athletics' Michael Sean Duger, Mike Sando, and Jason Jenks report that the alleged rift between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks is over, quote, power and control. Drew, give me your review for Fifty Shades of Russ. Man, where to start? I know. This has all it's the, so this much has... to unpack here. It also has, I, I know why the media has latched onto this because it has all the makings of something you can talk about yeah. for 24 hours a day. Um, so I, I guess I think there are, there is a little, a little fire with this smoke more than we may have thought. Um, I mentioned last week that we kind of see, we see stories like this pop up around the Seahawks since really they lost the Super Bowl in 2014. Mm -hmm. Every year it's something with Pete Carroll and Richard Sherman or Russell Wilson wants more weapons on offense. This year it was the offensive line, so I kind of just thought it was nothing. Um, but the fact that that article does state that his, his camp came to the Seahawks with potential trade destinations makes me think that there is something to that, um, maybe because they thought that the Seahawks – we're considering trading him, right. um, which I will say the, the, the weird thing to me is that the Seahawks have been absolutely silent on this. Like, I, I don't know um, if they're not trying to close the door on a trade because they haven't said like, you know, we're all in with Russell Wilson as our quarterback. Yeah. Um, I know they're the team that says like, we listen to all trades. Um, but here's where I do think, it'll end up being smoke. The, the teams that Russell listed that he would be traded to um, really did. I could go through them, but they don't have the ammo to acquire Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. And um, if Russell Wilson gets traded before June 1st, the Seahawks take a $39 million cap hit, which would actually be the new NFL record for the biggest cap hit <laughs> in history. So, at the end of the day, he's we. I, I I can talk about this for an hour, but I don't think he's getting traded. Um, I could. Yeah. We'll we'll continue to talk about it, but because there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects to this story, but uh, not to be boring. But I don't think he's going to get traded. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Look, and I, and I'm with you. I, I'm willing to acknowledge that, like you said, there might be some fire. Russell's unhappy. He wants some issues addressed, and I think it's a fire made of kindling. And the smoke that we're seeing in the press is simply the media billowing the flame that there is, the little flame, to make more smoke, to make it seem like it's a raging inferno. 
but this is not a Deshaun Watson situation. And to me, here, here are the facts and stick with me for a minute because I got a lot to say on this. Russell Wilson is one of the most naturally gifted quarterbacks in the league. If you're still a Wilson naysayer, you're mentally ill and you need help. And I'm sorry. I feel sorry for you. Number two, Russell's in his prime and he knows it. In his mind, time is of the essence. Everything he has ever said and done confirms that he is an ambitious competitor that wants to leave, leave a legacy as one of the greatest to ever play the game, if not the greatest of all time. Obviously, that's a tall order, but every team should want to have a quarterback as committed to that ideology as he is. Not to mention... He's already made progress to that goal. He's got two Super Bowl appearances, one ring, but he knows, as we all do, that to cement that type of legacy, he needs more. And because time is of the essence, that means winning now. Outside of himself, Seattle has a ton of talented assets, not least of which is DK Metcalf, who, in my opinion, has already emerged as one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Russell wants to take advantage of that, and they did in the first half of last season when the Seahawks let Russ cook and he put up the best statistical stretch of his career thus far and was front runner for MVP. However, after the heartbreaking week nine loss to the bills, that saw Russ turn the ball over four times. Pete took the reins back from Russell and returned to a run first offense. And no matter how you cut it, Russell was never the same for the rest of the season. In addition to the friction between Russ and Pete over how to offensively call the game, they also have glaring holes that need to be addressed if they want to be a championship team. One of those that is most important to Russell is the offensive line. In nine seasons, the guy has been sacked 394 times, an average of 43.8 sacks per season. That's more than any other quarterback since the 1970 merger. If that trend stays true, he's on track to become the most sacked quarterback in league history in three years, surpassing, surpassing Brett Favre's total of 525. And despite those jaw-dropping statistics, since 2012, the only offensive lineman the Seahawks have drafted in the first round is Jermaine Effetti, who struggled and is now a Chicago Bear after Seattle declined his fifth-year option. The only other linemen they've drafted since 2012 that are starters are 2020 third-round pick Damian Lewis, admittedly one bright spot on Seattle's offensive line, in my opinion, and 2017 second-round pick Ethan Pochich, who battled injuries for two years and may or may not be on the team this year as he's set to become a free agent next month. Moreover, Russell has made it clear that he wants to be treated off the field as instrumental as he is on it. He wants to have his opinion heard and considered by the front office when it comes to offensive play calling talent acquisition. He has said time and time again that he wants to be a Seahawk forever. He wants to be for Seattle what Tom Brady was for New England, but he needs help from the organization to do that and to maximize the value he offers. Lastly, the most important fact to me, city of Seattle loves Russell Wilson and Russell loves the city of Seattle. He's as big a part of the community as he is the football team and people outside of Seattle. I don't think realize he is nearly on Ken Griffey jr. Status level in the city. So what does this all mean? It means there's friction and there should be, but it's fixable. The type any competitive team has when they don't make it to the big game. And Russell has made it clear he wants to be part of the solution. So how do they extinguish the fire? If there really even is one, number one, 
The Seahawks need to actively involve Russell in front office decisions. That doesn't mean they have to go with every suggestion he makes, but they need to actually consider his thoughts. He's been as instrumental to the franchise's recent success as Pete has, and he's earned that right. Number two, they need to acknowledge that Russell is also right in asking for help on the offensive line, and the Seahawks need to address it in free agency or the draft this offseason. This will indicate their commitment to work with Russell and help protect the ball and his body so that he can be the franchise quarterback for years to come. Number three, and this one, in my opinion, is going to be the one that's tough for Pete to swallow. The Seahawks need to let Russ control the offense. They need to let Russ cook again. They were a dominant force the first half of last season that panicked after a single loss, and the panic caused Wilson, for the first time in his career, to lose some of the confidence that has come to define him. And this was, in my opinion, again, the principal cause behind all of their losses last year. He needs to be supported. He needs to be nourished. And since he's under center, he needs to be trusted to control the offense. He's more than earned that. Moreover, Pete needs to enter the 2020s and understand that, number one, run first is the antiquated strategy from bygone era, no longer viable option in today's NFL. And two, that employing a run first strategy with a quarterback that is the second highest paid player in the league is utter and complete nonsense. Now, and I will end this, all of that being said, I will acknowledge that the problem with this type of situation is that the media can and will stoke a fire and turn it into a blaze if both sides don't let cooler heads prevail. Recognize that this has been blown completely out of proportion and come to an agreement on what can and should be done to continue to foster the relationship and goodwill between the parties. Hmm. Wow, a lot to unpack there. I agree. Go ahead, Ken. I, I agree with all of it. <laughs> that was great, Mark. I agree with all of that. Um, I guess the, you guys are being both Seahawks fans, you know, and this is a lot, you know, you're a little more passionate about it than I am. So I, I'm here on, on, from the outsider's perspective. I guess really the only thing I could say is good luck with that, getting rid of that guy. You get rid of that yeah. guy, you become the Jets. You become and, the Jets. Andrew and I were discussing this earlier. There's, there's no conceivable trade scenario where I feel like the Seahawks walk away. Yeah, we got better. Yeah. Nope. You know, not one or, no even, conceivable one. or even the same. No, or here's another, same. here's, a, here's another thing too. Just like I said, I'm an outsider looking in, right. I, I, there, I would take Russell Wilson in a second. So let me, let me, let me ask you this question. Do you guys know what the bills, chiefs, chargers, Ravens, Bengals, Rams, cards, Packers, and bucks have in common? They ran the ball more than they passed the ball. Maybe. No, they're the only two and the Seahawks. They're the only 10 teams in the league that have that should not have a thought in their mind about trading their quarterback. So what does that tell you? Every other team in the league would would I, I, I didn't include the Texans in there because we don't know what's going on with Deshaun. But all of those teams are set at quarterback. Yeah. That means that there's 22 teams in the league that would probably trade for every single one of those guys. Yeah. Every single 100%. one of those guys. And if you get rid of Russell Wilson, okay, look what happened to the Bills when Jim Kelly left. Look what happened to Dan Marino when the when when uh, what happened to the Dolphins when Marino left. Look what happened to the Jets when Namath couldn't couldn't play anymore. These teams have had nothing. Nothing. Obviously the Bills have Josh Allen now. So they they found their guy. But like my thing is this, like like you guys like you said what are the Seahawks doing that is causing this? 
Like what's coming from their end? Maybe they see something that we don't or know things that we don't. But like, why isn't the owner fanning, fanning the flames of this fire right now and saying, this is the most important position in sports. We have one of the very best. Everybody, we need to work this out. Okay. Russ, what do you need? And Pete, stop coaching like it's 1995 and, and, and you just got fired, you know, in the middle of the 90s where, hey, let's run the ball, you know, two times and throw it on third down. Those days are gone. And we said this a long time ago on the show. You have to evolve. If Nick Saban did it, then Pete Carroll should definitely be able to do it. What is going on there? Why are they not putting well, this there's fire no, out off there the is, bat? There is no like it's it's Pete Carroll and John Schneider. There's no there's no one else. It's an inability to adapt. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is it's Pete's hang up on trying to force what worked for the first half of his tenure here at the Seahawks and to continue making it work in this, in this next half. Mm-hmm. And the truth is it's not the same league that it was 12 years ago, 10 years ago. And, you know, I, at first it was fine, you know, when Russell in, in his first few years and we had Marshawn and um, you know, Russell could be the counterweight to the driving force, which was our run offense. Um, it's flipped now. And now Russell needs to have a counterweight to him. So it should be, in my opinion, a pass first offense or a pass heavy offense is maybe a better way to put it because I don't, this isn't to undermine running the ball. I still think that's important to do. I just don't think we should be running the ball, you know, more than, than 60% of the time. It's ridiculous. Go ahead. So, no, the one thing that I will I will say, and I I agree with everything you say. I'm I'm trying to put my mind in what Pete Carroll says about the way that he wants to play, and what's actually I think forgotten about the Seahawks season because it ended so early in the playoffs. After they stopped letting Russ cook, they went six and one the last seven games of the season. They lost one game to the Giants, Ken's team. But hold on, before that, you know. They um, they lost to the Rams, they lost to the Bills, and they lost to the Cardinals. But if you remember, the Patriots were a QB sneak away from beating the Seahawks. That would have been their fourth loss. The Cow- uh, the Cowboys had the ball inside the 10-yard line with a chance to win. And also the uh, Vikings, they won 27-26 against the Vikings. Like They could have easily had a losing record during the Lutt-Russ-Cook time. So – I'm not I agree with everything you said, but there is something to Pete Carroll's philosophy of playing defense, creating turnovers, not turning over the ball, and whether or not you agree with it, that's what Pete is doing. Like your your speech made complete sense to me. Like I, I'm I'm completely on board with it. It's not what Pete Carroll believes. And I know Paul Allen doesn't exist is not alive anymore. Pete Carroll and John Schneider make the decisions and they're partners. And that's not the way that Pete Carroll wants to play. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that good enough to win a Super Bowl? That's where, that's what I'm saying is it's not, you know, you, we still went six and one at the end of the season. Um, but we can't sit here and pretend like those games weren't painful to watch, you know, or that they made you feel comfortable as a Seahawks well, fan, what game, um, what season ever has made sure, you feel comfortable? Sure, but at least you know, 
at least we've at least we felt in the first half of the season that they were putting up points at will. And in, in that case, by the way, that was when, you know, the defense wasn't playing. The only reason we won these games at the end of the season was because the defense had to 180 themselves. They're there. They came back and turned into the, the better part of our team for the second half of the season. Yeah. It was like they completely swapped roles. What needs to happen is that both need to be firing at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. Offense. Saban said it himself. Offense wins championships. Now, yeah. if you can't, if you can't have the ability to outscore the other team, like, like, honestly, it doesn't really even matter how good your defense is. Sometimes your defense can play a great game and they may give up, may give up, give up 21 points. If you can't outscore the other team or have that ability. I just, especially in the postseason. When you're playing against Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, yeah, Josh Allen, you're not going to win. This is not going to work. So, like you said, Mark, why can't the offense, you know, um, overwhelm opposing defenses like your defense overwhelms opposing offenses? Why yeah. can't that happen? Why not? They, they why not will, let they it will never beat the Chiefs if never. they don't have their offense firing the nope. way it did in the first half of the season. It, the defense, no matter how good it is, and I and I love – you know, what our defense was able to do in the second half of the season, put it mm-hmm. together so that we, you know, continued to have a decent win record um, by the end of the season, but that will not be good enough on its own. Um, and they need to, they need to get Russell's confidence back. And that means, you know, doing the things that I outlined in, in my mm-hmm. opinion, otherwise I think they're going to have a problem. And I think this little tiny kindling fire is going to turn into a giant blaze and then there is going to be a disaster. And, and I'll tell you, I, I do not think Pete understand. And again, I love Pete and I'm very thankful to him, but if you are going to put a gun to my head and have me choose between having Pete as head coach or Russell Wilson as quarterback, I'm picking Russell 10 times out of 10. Yeah. He's basically holding the, holding the organization hostage right now. It's really yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's not going to go anywhere. But you know what? Sometimes these things happen, you know, like uh, the boy who cried wolf or whatever the hell. Like, I mean, I look, I think they'll be able to sit down and work it out. You know, I, I just I, they've done it before. They'll do it again. I, you know, and to sort of Andrew's point, I do find it a little weird that the Seahawks haven't made any sort of statement yeah. about this publicly, um, which seems like a little bit of an ego trip thing to me to to not acknowledge it or say, no, he's our quarterback. Um, Doesn't but, he have a no trade clause? He has a no yeah. trade clause. Well, and, be, and, and I, be careful what you wish for, though. What if he? What if they're like, yeah, we're trading you. Boom. You want to go to one of these teams? There you go. We'll move yeah, on. I you. think they will. I, I I think they will have a rude awakening oh, about, yeah. about about where the fans are going to react on that here. Because I'll tell mm-hmm. you, if you trade Russell, it, people are going to be pissed off. Yeah. Then you become the Jets. <laughs> the only thing. The only thing I wanted to say. Um, I guess that's anti-Russ Yeah, is it, it doesn't hold much weight to me to complain about the offensive line when you're one of the three highest paid players in the NFL play calling. Yes. I'm all for that. Like he should be involved in the play calling. Mm-hmm. Um, but with 40 plus million dollars a year, that comes at an expense to other positions. And he has to he has to have the self-realization to understand that. And I mean, 
if he wants to be Tom Brady, maybe he should look at the way Tom Brady's approached his career. 100%. Tom Brady took pay cuts all the time in order to allow other players on that roster. And I, I think you're 100% right. If, if Russell's serious about that, he should put his money where his mouth is. You know, take a small pay cut so that they can get some other guys out of free agency. And there you go. You'll get yep. your offensive line. Sell some more nano bubbles or whatever yeah. he's markets yeah. these days. They, they also need to draft better. They do. Let's be real. Let's be real. Well, but they, on they, the other hand, they, they don't draft. They 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 don't draft. They don't draft anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> the, they're they're. Yeah. So they need to be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Would you trade? Would you trade up? with the Jets and swap our first round pick for the number two pick and ship them Chris Carson. If you could take Sewell. Carson's a free agent. How is he? I forgot about that. Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I was going to, I was going to use Sewell later on in this podcast and I was going to hope and I'd be saying it before you. I know. (laughs) Everyone has to to take a shot every time Mark says Sewell. (laughs) We can can cut this part out. You can pretend like. Uh, No way. No, it's my favorite part of the pod when you mentioned Penny Sewell. Well, I'm not done mentioning (laughs) it either. So you're going to love it. The, the, The last thing that I jotted down. So just to put this to bed, so the four teams that Russell Wilson said he would be traded to are one, the Cowboys. Um, They don't have the ability to trade Dak Prescott. He's a free agent in case anybody forgot. Uh, They do have the 10th overall pick, but it's obvious that the Seahawks don't even value 10th overall picks. You're not getting Trevor Lawrence or Fields or – you're not getting a quarterback that can lead you to the Super Bowl with the 10th overall pick. So your team's getting worse. And they don't have any intriguing, younger, underpaid prospects. Like, I just don't see how – I don't see how the Cowboys do it. The Bears, there's zero quarterbacks there. Like, we have to remember who the backup quarterback for the Seahawks is. It's Geno Smith. Like, you, you have to be acquiring a quarterback or the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. I have two more teams. The Raiders, you know, Derek Carr makes $22 million a year and is a massive Derek, downgrade. Derek Carr is good. I think Derek Carr is good. The Raiders need help on defense, and they're a good team. Casino house magician Derek Carr. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't see Derek Carr. His, his contract isn't small enough to make a Russell Wilson for Derek Carr exchange work with – the 17th overall pick, like the Seahawks, you know, would probably mess up that pick anyways. And then you'd have a fourth string running back and Derek Carr instead of Russell Wilson. Yeah. And then you have this, and then you have the saints was his last team. Um, obviously they have no quarterback value to change there. And they have the 28th overall pick. Like none of these teams make sense. Like how, how can, can anyone conceivably write up a draft proposition from any of these teams that comes close to acquiring Russell Wilson? They'd have to give up players, no. but that's part of their philosophy. Who, they, like they which players. play, which players, know. maybe they get Jameis back from the saints. You take Jameis, maybe after a year playing for Sean Payton, they also, mm-hmm. there's also the, the mm-hmm. dolphins and the Jets. We would take, no, you're talking I, about going from Russell Wilson to Jameis Winston. Well, what do you and, want to do then? And the 28th overall do? pick. Then what you're are you going to do? Tra- you're not going to do it's, it. That's the point. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. That's my that point. You're not going to do it. And my point from the outsider's perspective, looking in, it's, 
fucking ridiculous that this conversation is being had. You have yeah. the guy. He's one yeah. of the best. Just stop this shit and do something about it. Do <laughs> something about it. All right, already. Jeez, every year with the contract, I want to get traded. All this shit. You don't hear. Well, you got to realize though, this is the th- this is the thing that I will say on that, and I agree with you. But ninety nine percent of the time, all this shit, this controversy shit with Russell, is completely made up shit. It, it is the media trying to find a story about a guy. That is so boring. There is no story yeah. about it. Yeah. No, he's well, maybe just, if the Mariners were good. The yeah, he's just back. a nice, wholesome dude that does the right thing and is great at football. And yeah. I'm sorry if you hate that. And I know. I, I, I love stealing Russell shit from a fucking store. Yeah. Or banging, plowing some broads and cheating on Sierra. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like the guy's a good guy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'd take him in his, I, I, I like Daniel Jones too. But I mean, I'd take him or Deshaun in a second over Daniel Jones. Like, like I said, I listed all those teams. They're the only teams not trading their quarterbacks, right? Yeah. The Seahawks are one of them. What are you doing? Just every like the like management needs to do some damage control with this shit. If it is really the media and Russell Wilson, every time he wants something or isn't getting what he wants, why don't you go to the team and say something or go to the owner, do something. Don't just do it through the media if these stories are true, because we heard it before about his contract and all of a sudden they're like, oh, he's getting traded to the Giants so his wife can sing on Broadway and shit like that. Stop this shit. You have the guy. Stop. Now build around him. Agreed. Wait, before we move on, can I just can I give you the one hypothetical this will never happen trade that I actually wouldn't necessarily jump off a bridge if it happened? I would have to at least consider it. Sure. So if Sierra and Russell Wilson decided they would take their talents to South Beach, Seattle trades Russell to the Dolphins and the Seahawks get Tua in his second year. I know he's unproven. Ken's a hater. I think the jury's still out, but um, I think he could do the things that Pete Carroll wants him to do, take care of the ball. He can throw a good deep ball. Uh Xavier Howard, the best cornerback in the NFL this last year, 10 picks, the number three overall pick and the number 18 overall pick. And bear with me. I under, first of all, I'm not even sold on this. I'm just saying this is the only, this is the one of the only offers I would, if I was John Schneider, I would probably look at and maybe at least call up Pete and tell him something interesting has come across my desk because what you'd have there is a second-year quarterback taken number five overall last year. Um, obviously, that worked for the Seahawks in 2013. Uh, he's on a rookie contract for four more seasons after this, so you can distribute that wealth. And with, with you can, you could you could legitimately sign two pass rushers, be it Shaq Barrett or Davian Clowney or both of them, um, or you could split it up, get some more offensive line help, sign Jonu Smith as the tight end. And then you'd have the number three overall pick where you could take uh, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, and you'd have the best wide receiving core easily in the NFL. Um, And then you'd still have the 18th pick where you could take another offensive lineman. I just feel like at least with that trade, you would have very similar ingredients of your Super Bowl team 
You know, you'd have an elite secondary. You'd have a second-year quarterback under a rookie contract. You'd have playmakers all over the field. Um, and then I thought about all that, and I'm like, if the Dolphins were playing the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, I would still take the Dolphins to beat the yeah, Seahawks. Exactly. So it's idiotic. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's no, no trade, and that's a great no trade. That's a good trade. That's a that's, that's the, a great that's trade. Like the, that's a that's a that's a the best I could see for the Seahawks, and I still think it's idiotic. Other than like four other quarterbacks, any other quarterback playing for the Seahawks besides Russell Wilson is a downgrade, and you're not going to get those other guys. So again, they, somebody's got to do something. Somebody's got to do. Somebody's got to put their ego aside and just, or the owner's got to step in and be like, stop acting like children and stop and we need to put a stop to this from here it stops from in here all right so then the media will stop talking about it and like mark says you know uh making a you know an inferno out of a freaking match or whatever disco inferno i don't know but just stop you got the guy stop the team is owned by jody allen now paul allen's sister and she's actually a pretty pretty quiet owner like andrew said it's really just kind of John and Pete that run the show that they're now. So they're going to have to, you know, they're going to, they're the two that are going to have to step up and, and address this. And I think that they will at the end of the day. So, all right. We're nine weeks out from the NFL draft, which means it's time for draft that. this week. We'll be analyzing overall picks number four through six. But before we get to those, I want to revisit the third overall pick presently held by the Miami dolphins, which they received in a trade from the Texans. Ironically, one of the rumors in the rumor mill is that Miami is aggressively pursuing a trade deal with Houston for Deshaun Watson, which would likely see the Dolphins returning the third overall pick to the Texans, among presumably other things, if it were to materialize into reality. Ken, could Watson party in the city where the heat is on all night on the beach to the break of dawn? Um, I... I, I... <laughs> I have to thank you so much for using that because I am so <laughs> sick of people saying take their talents to South Beach or taking their talents anywhere. I am so I said that earlier in the podcast. You're an yeah, and I fucking and I fucking hated it. So you um, should have you should have fined me for that. We gotta start finding the talent. Uh, we do. We do. <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to pull any aggressive reach outs or anything like that. But um <laughs> anyway, um uh well first thing. The Texans hold all the cards in this situation. Sure. And frankly, their laissez-faire approach to this, from what we've heard, is actually, I think, driving the price up. But as I said before, there's 10 teams in the league that will not trade their quarterback anytime soon. The Dolphins are not one of them. So I love this move for the Dolphins. If they do this, it turns them into a Super Bowl team. Mm-hmm. Great culture, great defense. They're gonna get they're gonna get outside help. And and frankly, I mean. How much outside help do you need when you have Deshaun Watson? I mean, their tight ends are good. They have Devontae Adams. All they need to do is draft another receiver somehow, pull one, pull maybe like two, you know, B guys out of free agency that are going to catch the ball and be reliable. Um, and, and even if the Dolphins send their first two first picks over there, they still have two number two picks. They have a third and a fourth. Basically, they're, they have four picks in the top half of the draft where they're going to get a starter or two. All right. Deshaun's cap hit is only 15.9 million for the Dolphins this year. Goes up to 40 million next year. Um, Miami's paying 20 will pay 29.3 million this year. But honestly, it's still a bargain and it's going to be able to allow them to make other moves. 
Um, I don't think this, I don't think this says we don't like Tua. I think it just says we like Deshaun a lot more. So I think it's a great move. If the dolphins can make it a great move, they're a super bowl team, a super bowl team. If he, if he, if he goes there. I just listed those things that I thought would take to get Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson is not far behind Russell Wilson. So in my mind, absolutely. If, if you can only give up a three and an 18 for for Deshaun Watson, like hundred percent, I don't, I don't, I don't think that would get it done in my opinion, but if that's on the table, if if that's on the table. Yep. They're probably going to have to trade Tua. They're probably going to have to give him Tua and maybe Xavier Howard, just like your trade, Drew. But still, <laughs> yeah. you do it. Yeah. In their no case, brainer. I do think they do. Yeah. All right. The Falcons fly low at number four overall in the 2021 draft. Drew, is this the year Matt Ryan's wings are finally clipped in the draft? It might be. Might be. I think uh, the Falcons obviously need defensive help. Uh Notably on the defensive line, I, I think they tried to address that a couple of years ago with Tack McKinley. That didn't work out. Um, but as we've stated, offense matters more. Um, I don't think I don't think the Falcons are really going to solve their defensive woes with a rookie. So in my mind, um, if you take a quarterback there, I think unless they trade down, I, th- I if they're set on a defensive player especially on the defensive line you trade down for sure because that value does not exist at the number four overall pick um but why not take one why not take justin fields or zach wilson if he's there um worst case scenario he can mature under um matt ryan best case scenario you can flip matt ryan as well and pick up picks or a, a player so I, I hate to say this, but I think the time's right for the Falcons to groom the next guy, which is hard to say because Matt Ryan is not the reason the Falcons are bad. True. I agree with you. I, I, I mean, and the fact that the team has been sort of non-committal on Matt Ryan so far and, you know, his backup, Matt Schaub, has retired, which leaves, you know, Kurt Benkert as the only other quarterback <laughs> option on the roster. You do the math. Makes me believe – that they are definitely going quarterback <laughs> here. I think they take Justin Fields. I think with a new head coach in Arthur Smith, who's offensively minded, it's only fitting that they grab a new quarterback and commence a new era. Fields has the athleticism that Smith is looking for under center. He's Georgia grown. He went to Harrison High School in Kennesaw. And Matt Ryan can be present, but Fields is the future. That being said, I think it is also conceivable, as Drew just said, that the Falcons roll the dice and trade down to the number eight or nine pick with either the Panthers or the Broncos, probably, under the assumption that fields might still be available and to increase the number of picks in this year's draft. The risk here is that either those teams or the Eagles maybe select fields over other remaining quarterbacks I expect to be available at the number four picks, such as Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. If they do trade down, and an appealing quarterback isn't available, it's also possible that they could look to bolster their defensive backs with the addition of Alabama's Patrick Sertain, who many scouts and analysts consider the top cornerback prospect in the draft and would be amazing to have Sertain opposite A.J. Terrell. It's going to be a pretty sick cornerback situation should that happen. I agree with you, but it it feels like a Falcons move to draft a cornerback and then – 
Yeah. What what's that? What's different? Here's what here's what I don't get, guys, in this situation. Sorry to interrupt. No, that was the end. Are they gonna are they ever going to get more for Matt Ryan than they would right now? No. Why risk going into another season with a quarterback that you know is only gonna have maybe two or three years tops? Matt Ryan's a B plus uh, argument, A minus maybe a couple of years ago quarterback. Like Drew said, he wasn't on the field when the Patriots uh, when the Patriots were down 28-3 and their defense gave up all those points. You know, granted, I'm sure they could have made a few more plays on the offensive side of the ball, but he didn't give up those points. He's not the reason they were losing, and he's still pretty damn good. They have good receivers. They have a good offense. Are they ever going to get more for him than they would now? No, they need to trade that guy I, right yeah. now. That that in fact, I, I mean, I would be public about that. He's on the trading block. You know, send us offers. We're considering them. Yeah, Matt Ryan is one of those quarterbacks for me. And again, like you said, he is going to win you games. He'll get you to the playoffs every other year or every other other year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Matt Ryan is ever winning you a Super Bowl. And the longer you keep him under center, I think you're just wasting years that you're not actually competing. Well, for let me throw then let me throw this out there to you with San Francisco's roster and San Francisco's defense and his experience with Kyle Shanahan. You don't think Matt Ryan would be able to win a Super Bowl with that defense in San Francisco? I, do I, I think he'd have a better shot than winning with the Falcons. I agree with that. I agree with that. I he does not. Matt Ryan, for me personally, has never been a quarterback I've felt afraid of. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I think that now if you're going to do it, if you if you need to rebuild, you didn't make the playoffs the last few years, now's the time to get as much as you can for him. And to Ken's point, San Francisco is out there and they are the ter- perfect trade candidate for mm-hmm. that pick. And they have kind of the right level of pick you would think that a Matt Ryan would – command mm-hmm. at this point um so I, I also like i know we'll talk about san francisco but i have trouble figuring out exactly where they are it's amazing that they were in the super bowl i know 13 I months know. ago and i can't figure out if the, like a team that's in the super bowl 13 months ago you'd think is actually a matt ryan maybe away from winning the super bowl but it's it's hard to figure out if they're rebuilding, if they're like how, like I can't put my finger on how close they are because they've had so many injuries and they just lost a star defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Man, that their room got messy fast. I'll tell you that. Well, think about this too. Everyone's saying Kyle Shanahan is this, you know, um, brilliant boy genius head coach. And he's the real deal. He's been in San Francisco for what? Four years. He's made the playoffs one time. Granted, they made the Super Bowl. The other three years, they didn't even finish over 500. Yeah. What's going on, man? I mean, everyone's sitting here going, oh, Kyle Shanahan's great. Kyle Shanahan's great. I don't know. Is he? I don't know. I mean, granted, Bill Belichick had the same thing. I mean, he did make the playoffs one year in Cleveland. They were turning things around until they, you know, busted everything up and had to move to Baltimore. But, you know, I mean – I mean, I, I don't know what's go like you said, what's going on there? What's going on there, man? Like you would think the same thing, Drew, like get your shit together and have a quarterback who's going to show up every week. Matt Ryan shows up every week. Best availability, ability is availability and Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't. 
Yeah, and they would be serious contenders, I think, to take a look at Matt Ryan. Yeah. You know, if they were to know that 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 he's available. Let me before we move on here. Wait, what? I have one thing. Ken can only say the best ability is availability one more time <laughs> before we're going to start calling you out on that. All right, oh, whatever. All right, Lemony. <laughs> Let me t- let's talk about a couple of other of the Falcons' needs here. They need a running back. They finished 27th in the league in rushing last year, averaging 95 yards per game. Todd Gurley, Brian Hill are both likely to enter free agency, leaving Ito Smith and Quadri Olison on the roster. They also, in addition to the edge rusher, like Drew mentioned, cornerback, which we talked about, they could use a safety. Keanu Neal's contract is up. The Falcons are projected to be $31 million over the projected cap for 2021. If they do bring back Neal, it likely means he'll be back at the expense of fellow safety Ricardo Allen in either scenario. They'll need someone to join Neal or Allen. They also could use some help on the offensive line. Is there a conceivable scenario where they would take any of these positions at this pick? No way. Yeah. No way. Never take a running back after the, after the second, before the third round. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. No. So, I mean, look, I mean, honestly, a lot of what they do, I mean, I think it hinges on what, what's their move at quarterback. You know, I mean, if they, if they stand pat, Maybe they draft a pass rusher or the best offensive lineman available. Or like we said, you're never going to get more from, for, for, uh, for Matt Ryan than you will now. Maybe they do that. They trade with the Niners to get to number 12. They take Trey Lance. And maybe that changes the outlook on things of what they're going to do next. Um, I mean, obviously, they're good on the outside. Who needs a running back anymore? You can just pull them off the street and you're fine. Because if you can block for about anybody, it's going to work. So don't waste your money there. I mean, if anyone ever gives any a running back a contract like the Cowboys gave Ezekiel Elliott, they're just asking for trouble. Um, it ties up your cap money in areas that you're going to need it. So, you know, I mean, I guess it all depends on what they're going to do. If they hold that pick, maybe they draft a pass rusher and a, or an offensive lineman, and it changes what they're going to do for the rest of the draft. Sure. As a Giants fan who drafted Saquon Barkley, you have great uh, perspective on this. Yeah, honestly, uh, you're right. I mean, I, I, I mean, I mean, dude, I'm, you know what the thing about it too is I'm a Penn State fan too. I uh, have been since I was like in sixth grade, and I thought it was a great pick. I love the guy, but still, like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with him this year? But if they give him another contract, they're crazy, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, the fifth overall pick belongs to the Bengals, but they've got some serious work to do if they want to avoid being the only team in the AFC North with less than 11 wins. Ken, where do they start? Well, I think they start with the quarterback because he did get hurt last year. And as we all know... (laughs) (laughs) I know where you're going. I was going to go the same way. The The best ability to have is Drew. Uh, unavailability, <laughs> availability. But um, I was actually, actually, as I mentioned before, uh, and hopefully Mark leaves this in the show for comedic purposes. I was going to mention the greatest offensive line prospect in the history in of college Oregon football, football history. ever, ever. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes they, I'm fully on board with this. Uh, we talk about this all the time, man, and, and with the exception of the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> the exception there, of the Jets. Every there has team, not been one player mentioned more on this podcast than Ken's following pick. <laughs> Panay Sewell, 
They got to do it. They have to do it. Have to do it, right? I hope this guy is the worst NFL player of all time. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this. How many shoelaces are you going to pick out of your teeth? (laughs) They're going to be like the fat shoelaces people used to wear in like skate shoes, too. Hey, careful with the flugel binders on those shoelaces. 2045, Penny Sewell is going to have his gold jacket on, and Mark's just going to be standing on my doorstep (laughs) (laughs) with a couple of bagel Ritos for you. Um, So, I, I, hey, we say it all the time. Uh, games won in the trenches. I, I, I did. I went against that last week with the Jets because they have Makai Becton. They need and they needed outside help for a long time. But this goes right back to what we say all the time: you got to protect your number one investment, and that's your quarterback. He's already gotten hurt once. You can't risk that happen again. Now, T. Higgins is legit. Tyler Boyd is really good too. I don't. Who knows what's going to happen with AJ Brown? But they have to take Sewell here, unless their evaluation tells them. Their evaluators tell them there's a better offensive line prospect out there. You have to take an offensive lineman here. You have to have to 100% agree with you, especially since, since his offensive line has been one of the five lowest graded units in the NFL in yeah. each of the last four years. Mm-hmm. However, I already picked Panay Sewell last week. <laughs> so my pick for the Bengals at number five overall is conditioned solely on the idea that Sewell is not available here. <laughs> Because I had the Jets selected him number two. Um, however, if he is available, I, I agree with you. There's no question in my mind they select him here. As the Bengals have made it clear that they intend to build around Joe Burrow. Sewell's a prize prodigy, one once in a decade player. Give mm-hmm. Burrow the time. To bury it. <laughs> now that I've got Orlando. my confession of love for Panay out of the way again, this or- Orlando. He's the Orlando pace of this uh, this decade. That's right. Here's how I think this cookie actually crumbles. The Bengals trade down. They send the number five overall pick to the Panthers in exchange for the number eight overall pick and a six round pick, uh, which I think coming from the Bengals is number 223 overall. In this scenario, I expect the Panthers to draft at number five, Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU, who would be the best available quarterback, in my opinion, my mock draft here. Uh, He's an accurate passer, high football IQ, quick to think on his feet. And with Carolina reported to be hounding Houston for a mm-hmm. Watson trade, yes. much like Miami, which I don't think they'll get because they don't have the same stuff to play with here, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. seems that they're not afraid to let everyone know they're making a change under center. Wilson fits the bill. I'll discuss who I think the Bengals take with the number eight overall pick next week. But in general, this trade also makes sense for Cincy. If Sewell's not available to select here, everyone else I see them taking will likely still be available at number eight and they add an additional pick in the draft mm-hmm. to help them continue to build. Well, I think I think they have to build in the trenches, man. But, like, unless you feel much better about one of the receivers that's there or you feel like you need to take them, think about it this way. You can build cheaply on your offensive line through the draft, right? Totally. We all know you love to build cheaply. Hey, I love cheap. <laughs> so the <laughs> – yeah, so they – maybe they – now, now they're building guys drafted in the same year. Maybe they grab another free agent. Maybe they have a few guys that, that can still play. And they build a cohesive unit for a couple of years. I mean, they were competitive last year with Burrow. They were a great watch. Like, you wanted to watch the Bengals mm-hmm. last year. So they were fun to just, watch. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just protect the guy, and they'll be fine. 
and they'll be good, man. As long as he comes back okay and make sure he doesn't get hit, that's all they really need to do right now, as for right now. Yeah. yeah I agree. The only, the only thing I have to add to this is for a podcast that focuses on the worst teams in football quite often, we haven't talked nearly enough about the Bengals. This is true. It's been yeah. odd. Yeah. They've oddly they've oddly been so I I just I wanted to apologize to the city of Cincinnati. <laughs> you know, part of this part of this is too, since we started the podcast this season a little bit late, right? I, what did we start week nine or ten or something? We only had a couple of weeks, few weeks before Bengals actually had like the Steelers upset. They started to string some stuff together there at the end. Uh, so we didn't talk about them probably as much as we would have normally. Have you Bengals guys ever new, Bengals new uniforms coming in 2020? Oh, the white Ooh. lion uniforms are legit. White they lion. look great. Seen those. A white tiger. Sorry. They're, <laughs> they're awesome. Hey, have you guys ever been to Cincinnati by the way? You yeah. know, I actually have not. Uh, if you ever get to go to Cincinnati, you have to go to Grader's ice cream. It is the best ice cream I have ever had in my life. And that's no hey, one of these pot phenomenal. One of these pot one of these podcasts we should just not talk about football and just go through random cities because all of us have traveled enough to know yeah. like the hidden gems in each yeah. one. If yeah. they're still open, it, sub you know, post pandemic. Yeah. I mean that's true. I I'll, I would go to whatever Ken said before Skyline any day. Oh, Skyline Chili was one of the most overrated places I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> totally. And people from Cincinnati will like. They'll, you know, they'll kill you if you say that, but it's not good. It's just not. All right. Wentz has flown the Eagles coop, but can Jalen lay down the hurt in 2021? Drew, how does Philly answer the age-old draft question to quarterback or not to quarterback? Man, it's so hard to know how they feel about Jalen Hurts. Um, they drafted they, – they spent a lot of draft capital on him last year. Um to me, their defense is still pretty good. If Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase is available, there's got to be people in Philadelphia that are just craving a playmaker on the outside. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think it'll say a lot about how they feel about Hurts there. Um, and it depends on which quarterbacks are available and how they feel about Zach Wilson. Like, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be, I think it'll tell you a lot about Jalen Hurts on what they do with that pick. Um, I think they like him. And I think that's part of the reason that they let Hurts fly the coop, as you say. So um, I, I'd love to see one of those elite receivers play with, with Hurts there. It's very odd, isn't it? They took him in the second round last year and they're like not sold on him. And it basically, Fucked up their whole franchise. They mm -hmm. had a guy that everyone believed was was going to be there for forever. Retire as an eagle, you know, better than Jaws, better than Randall Cunningham, and and McNabb too. And they draft a guy out of nowhere in the second round, and now they're like not even giving him a public vote of confidence. I mean, it's what a mess. That what a mess. It, like, what are you doing? I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. Why you just you, that one pick right there 
may have changed the fate of their franchise for God knows how long if they can't find somebody to replace him, especially if Wentz goes off and is good. Yeah, I have. You know, it's interesting. I am. I I would be want to agree with Drew here, but based on how I picked uh, kind of the previous picks and, and, and looking at this and being unsure about how I think Philly feels about Jalen Hurts makes me think for value here. And where I'm going is that they're taking Micah Parsons, who's a linebacker from Penn state. Mm-hmm. He's undisputed best linebacker in the draft. The Eagles actually, despite being okay defensively, they do desperately need a game changing pass rusher who can also stuff the run and be effective in pass coverage. This guy's that good, which is why Philly will draft a linebacker in the first round. Listen to this for the first time since 1979, last guy they drafted UCLA's Jerry Robinson, the 21st <laughs> overall pick. That being said, the only fault in my logic here is Sirianni's nth dimensional chess press conference. So how <laughs> I know, you may see the Eagles be the fourth team in history to select a kicker in the first round. Yeah, I wouldn't shock me at this point. Geez. Well, the last, like I said before, the last Pro Bowl they drafted was Carson Wentz. All right. So since then, it's been Derek Barnett, no pick in 2018. The Ravens took Lamar Jackson with that pick. Andre Dillard, who was hurt all year last year, and Jalen Rieger. Okay. Before that, going back to 2009, Jeremy Macklin in 09, Brandon Graham in 2010, Danny Watkins in 2011, Fletcher Cox, Cox and uh, Fletcher Cox, Fletcher Cox Fletcher in 2012, Cox. Lane Johnson in 2013, <laughs> Marcus Smith in 2014, Nelson Aguilar, Aguilar in 2015. Four of those guys made the Pro Bowl. The Eagles were, I mean, they were a machine for a long time. They were always competitive, always drafted good players. They haven't drafted any good players in a long time. And they need to, now after getting rid of Wentz and not even being able to give Jalen Hurts a a vote of confidence, they got to nail this draft. They yeah, have to I mean, that's, that's why Drew might be right, too. Like, I mean, they took Jalen Rieger last year, you know, in the first round, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like he's he's failed to match the output of other first rounders like Justin Jefferson, yeah. Chase Claypool, and Philly six worst passing offense in the league. Mm-hmm. So you could definitely argue that they it's very possible they get wide out here, get mm-hmm. a guy that can create distance and, and make the big yeah. plays that Drew again and also, they, now they know that they ha- what they kind of have in Hurts. They're not paying him shit. They still have that dead cap money with Wentz. I mean, if they're, once they got rid of Wentz, basically they're telling everybody, we're tearing this thing down and starting all over again. It may, not even t- it may take a long time, but that's pretty much what they're doing. So they might as well just go with Hurts and see what they got and just draft good players wherever they can. They need help really everywhere. Yeah. If somehow Sewell falls this far... <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if you're joking. The, the or not. Eagles did post the third most turnovers oh, getting, in 2021. We're getting the O line is in need of a serious oh. upgrade. Can't wait for a Sewell jersey from Mark. Yeah, but it it won't be a Seahawks jersey. It's not the same. <laughs> I will wear a Sewell hat and vest though, <laughs> or scarf. See well. <laughs> All right, moving on to our own draft. It's time for all fantasy, everything. 
sports movies are a dime a dozen, but you're stranded on a desert island with a flat screen, a Blu-ray player, and enough solar energy to power your viewing experience. <laughs> the catch? You only have three sports films of your choosing. Three-round snake draft. Ken's got the first overall pick, followed by myself and Drew. K-Nugs, you showed up to the pod in an Airbud hat and vest. Tell us why it's seventh <laughs> inning fetch or nothing at all. <laughs> That introduction was amazing. <laughs> also, I, I love this category because it really combines all of our specialties. Uh, Mark being the film genius you are. Ken and I working in sports for decades. Yeah. This, is, also, this, is, this is wheelhouse central. I don't know if there's three better people to answer this draft question. I also Earth. think I also drink, think, Drew, you're underestimating our greatness to sit around and watch movies. That I'm phenomenal at. <laughs> so, I am also phenomenal. Uh, at. Yes, 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 absolutely. I have to tell you, I think it is probably embarrassing to admit how many movies I think I probably average on a day. Yeah, it's and you should. More than one. And you should. And it's gross. Well, so, <laughs> well I, I just wanted to throw this out there. Some of my picks may have happened before 1992, where in Drew's mind, that's where the cinematic arts actually began. So um, with my first pick of the draft. Well, let's, before we go to the first Wait, pick, I have a okay. question. And you don't have to tell me if you feel like it's giving it away because we should sort of talk about this. All right. We're going to have to vote on it at the end. <laughs> Based on the way that we're voting here, are we going for like breadth? You know, where like you want a little bit of everything because these sports movies go from being very lighthearted and fun to you know, the emotional journey to okay, very serious, arguably depressing. Yes. I, so I I took your description very much to heart where you said you're stranded on a desert island. So like, you're going to have right. to watch this thing over and over again. Right. So I didn't go by like the best ending. Like, Well, this need... is sort of why I think we should be judging this on like, could you actually survive watching these three which makes me think that you need a little bit of breath to your selections yes agreed yes i, agree. I got I agree. it okay i got it all covered ken where you going all right my first pick in the all fantasy everything sports movie draft i'm going with a sentimental favorite of mine mostly because my dad and i love this movie my dad took it to another level where he would like break down the shots in the movie. He would do research on it and all this type of stuff. What happened to the actors? What happened to this guy? Why is, why is the score different in this scene? And then it's like a different score from earlier than the one before I am going can, with can Drew. And I guess first, my guess is Seabiscuit. Close, Drew. <laughs> no, my is in my opinion the greatest sports movie, it's greatest sports movie of all time, and that's Hoosiers, without a Ooh. doubt. Without a doubt, love that movie, love it. Uh, For some it. reason, it makes total sense to me that you picked that first. It is a great no, it, movie. It's such a good movie, man, and like it has like everything that a sports movie should be, like the underdog. Everyone loves the underdog story. You know, like the coach who's down on his luck, who gets another shot, the small town who takes it way too seriously um, and just everything comes together. The great player who 
you know, deferential great player who really doesn't want to be that guy, but he is. And uh, dude, I, I I love that. I could watch that movie all day, man. Love it. The, okay, so the funny thing is, Ken gives me shit because I I really have seen very few movies before 1990. <laughs> um, so I watched Hoosiers probably during the pandemic for the first time, like ever really? six ever? months ago. That's ever. amazing. Wow. Yeah, I saw it like six months ago. Um, and I it sucks because I feel like I was influenced by the amount I've heard about this movie, and I thought it was slightly above average. Yeah, and that's understandable. Fair enough. Yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. When you're when I I saw it when I was I first started playing basketball like in fifth, sixth, seventh, like fifth grade competitively. And right around that time it came out. And uh, man, once that came out on video, oh, I watched it over and over again every day yeah. for a long and, time. And, uh, and the thing about sports movies is the, the time you're at in your life when you watch that influences you so much. Like mm-hmm. there's movies that I thought were really good that I maybe hadn't seen in 20 years that I'm like, this is actually not Awful. a good yeah. movie. <laughs> exactly. yeah, you yeah. You should have heard after Drew watched The Three Ninjas again. <laughs> wait does that have chris farley in it i love that movie. it's beverly hills ninja <laughs> is that your choice <laughs> that would count theoretically. it would count totally <laughs> and which is why i'm going with number two karate kid oh wow. good one love it yeah. love it it's a, it's a, a classic i feel like it has high rewatch value totally um it's sentimental to me because I grew up watching it. Um, so feels like it would fit into my uh, trilogy, Desert Island trilogy, if I were to be stranded there. Drew, you got two picks. Where you going? Oh, man, you guys know I'm a baseball guy. And Field this was dreams. hard. This was hard. No, that was not one of my two. I don't want to take two baseball movies back to back as this is a snake draft. So I'm going to choose between two. And my gut instinct told me to take one, but now that I picture myself sitting on the beach, this isn't going to resonate with Mark at all. Uh, <laughs> but I'm taking Major League. It's my yes. it's right. it's my favorite. Like I I quote Major League almost on a daily basis. Um, it's aged incredibly, considering how long ago it came out, and I believe it came out before 1990. So I'm taking an 80s movie. Major League. Love it. Uh, you know what? The thing about Major League that's interesting is like when they polled Major League Baseball players what the best baseball movie was, that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? I'm sort yeah. of surprised. I mean, and I, I actually, you know, granted, I'm not the biggest fan of baseball. I, I love I love some of these baseball movies. I, I enjoy Major League. I am particularly fond of Field of Dreams because I have this memory of watching that film uh with my dad yeah me too it's it was sort of like a bonding for sure thing um and uh i'll i'll just never forget that movie for the rest of Mm -hmm. my life because of that but i actually do think i do think major league of resonates more with people that are more hardcore baseball fans because there's there's just a lot of baseball jokes um Mm -hmm. but the cast was actually phenomenal in that movie oh yeah totally like it 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 aged very well in terms of like what that cast was at that time. Mm-hmm. And the, the jokes just like n- never get old to me. They really yeah. don't. So 
could they have found anybody better to play Lou Brown than the guy who played Brown? No the manager. They could not or, have perfect. or Willie or Willie Mays Hayes. Exactly. Casted yeah. well. Where are you going with your next picture? God, this is tough because now you get you get to value. And um I I'm a comedy guy and they just don't have great comedies anymore. So unfortunately I'm I'm going back to back comedies. Um I'm taking Caddyshack. Another 80s. Another yeah. classic. There you go, Ken. Yeah. Good one, man. Good one. Mitch Comstein. Yeah, Drew is also kind of going uh <laughs> Keeping it fun here on the I'm island. on a fucking island by myself, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, there's, there's nothing like there's not any like deep emotional rift happening on this island. It's no, I'm absolutely not. Like um there's there's not. There's the last thing you want is some sort of depre- I can't think of a depressing is there any depressing sports movies? Unless you're Mark Brian's taking a depressing sports movie with his next pick. It's Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler, 2008. Oh, Mickey Rourke, unbelievable oh. movie. Oh. This is going to be my oh. deep, depressing film. But oh, I got to have a mixture of emotions. Oh. But you're you're going to sit oh, on a beach it? and watch The Wrestler oh. over and over again? Yes. Oh. That might oh be the worst God. pick. That might be the worst pick in the history of all fantasy. Mark, I, all I think of whenever I hear of that movie is him cutting his thumb in the fucking meat slicer, and it just. <laughs> oh, I think I, you and oh. I. I think you guys and I probably have a different, uh, <laughs> a different system for evaluating yeah. the ability of films. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, oh, the thumb. Ah, and the only reason I'm taking this is because I can't take "There Will Be Blood" because it's not a sports movie, <laughs> which yeah. is what I would be taking. Ken, am I up next? All right. Well, I am not only just I'm not only going with sentimentality for this one, but I'm also going with comedy. Um, watched it recently, and I just came to a conclusion. And the older I get when I see it, when I watch this movie, the more I get attached to it. Because I feel like it, um, it, uh, it is the probably the one movie of any movie, sports or not, that my childhood relates to more than any other movie, and that is the original Walter Matthau Bad News Bears. Yes, I mean when you film. when I was when I was a kid, I mean basically all I did was play baseball all the time. I went to baseball camp for six weeks out of the summer. Um, every year. And I mean, I'd come home and we play more baseball and it was just a bunch of foul mouth little kids playing baseball, but you had like everything, like you had the underdog story you had like, you know, n- Hey, not everything's going to end the way you want it, no matter how hard you work to get it. Cause they lost in the end. But the one scene that resonates with me the most is the scene when the dad goes out to the mound and slaps his son. And then Engelberg comes up. And he hits the grounder back to the pitcher and the kid holds on to the ball and then walks off the field and drops the ball in his dad's face. And you're like, that kid will never pick up a baseball ever again, unless it's an accident. 
actually and... the story of Mark. That is the dad it, slapping him in the face. Yeah, that's like yeah. that's that's that. That's I don't what ended like, my uh, baseball. I, I actually oh, I specifically sorry, remember that, Mark. You got like hit in the face with a baseball, and you were like, this... "I took I took a, a grounder straight to the face, rolled right <laughs> up my mitt off my wrist, went right in my nose. Oh, that um, sucks. And it, the problem was I had been pitching before that. And this was like, we were just like fielding grounders in practice before a game or something. And it broke my nose. Um, and, you know, I, we were pretty young, right, Drew? It was like maybe 10 or 11, somewhere. Yeah, around. second grade or so. And it did this. I tried to come back and play and I couldn't pitch or bat anymore it like created this thing where, you know, like I felt like a pain, you know, in between my eyes, like trying to focus on a baseball or it gave me like the, you know, I, I was hearing steps. I couldn't pitch yeah. or I couldn't bat. That's it understandable, just, man. It messed me I up. A, I was never the same afterwards. I have a fun anecdote to this story. Mark, <laughs> <laughs> Mark was the kid that had the Spider-Man glove. It yeah. was actually like, made by spider-man and had like spidey web in the- <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> i'm full i'm full-time nerd like when a, i'm not playing sports I hope you know. like uh it was like daryl tally's sleeves on the bills he had the spider-man sleeves yeah. underneath I mean, but anyway let me, put, like, let me put it to you this way guys i but before this podcast i went to go grab like uh you know a drink or two uh <laughs> that i could bring home for the pod at the grocery store and I got into like a 45 minute conversation with a guy in the grocery store who is also a dungeon master oh, you know, we were talking about DMing D&D <laughs> well on, uh, that, that sounds on real while that Isle sounds... 9 Eberron campaign Isle 9 Eberron campaign <laughs> well, well, that sounds nobody listening to that podcast gets that joke <laughs> yeah. while you're looking for oat milk talking about Dungeons and Dragons Anyway, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was wearing my early T-shirt. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, the scene where the dad, this kid leaves the field, this dad slaps him on the mound. And like, I, I just knew so many kids like that who were good athletes and their dads just like eating the shit drained, out of them. Dra- well, not just not that, but just like drained every ounce of joy they had out of playing. So like all of those things, like it just. Like I, I see my childhood in that movie in a lot of in a lot of ways, so um, I'm going with uh, original Bad News Bears. Walter Matthau was great, by the way. He is, he was great. The girl pitcher that was awesome. Yeah, great movie. Where are you going with your snake pick here? All right, snake pick, snake pick. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go way off the reservation here. <laughs> I'm gonna go way off the reservation here, and being that this is a football podcast. One of us has to choose a football movie. So I know for a fact that Drew has never seen this movie without even knowing that answer for a fact. But Mark may have. Now, back way back when, there was a great football movie about a high school team that lost a game, right? Wild and then, Cats. No, I love that one, though. I was on last week. I watched it. But like 20 years later... They decide to play the game all over again. So um, the Robin Williams, Robin Williams played wide receiver in that movie. Kurt Russell was the quarterback, Reno Hightower. 
<laughs> and I don't know this out, movie. He came out of the locker room at halftime wearing white shoes and the crowd went crazy. It's called The Best of Times. And if you haven't seen it, it's an outstanding, outstanding movie. One of those movies, however, I feel like if I watch today, I might not think it was as good, but it was really, really, really. Kurt Russell played that role perfectly. Like the quarterback, the high, the high school the high school quarterback whose knees were all fucked up and he was like stuck in the same town as a mechanic. And then Robin Williams get, makes him want to play the game again. And they come back and they win it this time. It was, that was, that's uh, one of those ones. That's really not anything other than just entertaining and, and kind of funny and kind of cool. So I'm going with the best of times. Love it. I'm sort of torn. When Mark says love years. it, he actually hates what hates he just it. did. I know, exactly. I noticed. It's like when he... Because he says, he says yeah. love it with yeah. absolutely no emotion. And Yes. And and all it's like when he texts LOL in all caps. Yeah. is like, you actually feel like he might be laughing. Love it. Don't hey, give a fuck about what you just know when said. I'm texting LOL, I am, I am silently amused at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> text lowercase lol yeah. then yeah exactly. no well ken says he doesn't like lowercase i hate LOL. i hate all forms of lol ex- ex- well ex- how like, am i supposed to express to you that what i think you said uh, is amusing come on. ha 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 i don't know oh get, cre- ah, get creative you'd rather me text it out like ha ha ha, ha. that's what i do oh. I know. Or I'll actually I, say, dude, I'm literally laughing out loud and I'll type it all out. That takes way too much time. Oh, yeah. You're That's just worth living it. in I, an efficient world. I want to drive the point home that I actually thought it was funny. Yeah. Well, I do. Who's up next? Who's got the next pick? I have the next pick, <laughs> which I was trying to say, Warren, <laughs> between going. Because I am on a desert island, I need to have this completely mixed up. I've got Karate Kid. I've got my like seminal eighties. You, you have a lot of fighting movies. So movie. yeah. I yeah. have my like deep moody uh, buttons. You shut the fuck up for a second. I've got my deep moody. <laughs> you know the wrestler. I am now going pure comedy. I don't even care if people think it's a bad movie. It makes me laugh. I'm taking dodgeball. Yeah. I've never seen it. What? I've never seen it. Yeah, you saw Hoosiers for the first time. It'd be hard six between Dodgeball and Talladega Nights. Oh, I, I had that Ooh. on my big board. We should go. We should. Should I? Now that I have the last pick, I've got a very funny golf movie. My favorite baseball slash maybe my favorite movie of all time in Major League. Um, I don't want to go full on the comedy, even though that's my favorite genre of mu- of movie. I'm going to need some inspiration to get off this island. This is going to shock Ken, but I'm going to go with my third 80s movie. Although, correct me, maybe it's 90, early 90s. I'm going Rocky IV. Ooh, 80s. That's 80s, 80s. definitely. Yeah, I so so just to prove you guys wrong, I went three 80s movies that are all phenomenal. Caddyshack, Major League, Rocky Four. We got montages. We got drama. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be ready to build it's myself a politics. What? You don't think there's drama in Rocky Four? No. No, I think there's drama. I don't think it's like the wrestler drama. I think it's, you know, 80s, like, you know, 
guy took some steroids and thinks this is dramatic. I, I like that pick, Drew. I like it's my that favorite one. Rocky movie. It is. Yeah. The, it is a great Rocky movie. I'm not. I'm not taking that away from it. I, I and I think what we should be able to do here. Let's take a look at what. So Ken. Ken has Hoosers, Bad News Bears, Reno Hightower. Best of times. What? Best of times. It's called uh, <laughs> Reno Hightower Reno was Hightower. Reno Hightower was Kurt Russell's name. You can't forget a name uh, like I, that. I thought uh, I thought that was the name of the movie. Look it up. The best of times. I'll send well, it to you. You said it so quickly. Phenomenal name. Though. I'm also. You now, have, isn't you it a those, great I name? To record this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was called Reno Hightower, which I thought no. was a weird name of a movie. I was like, well, yeah. but then again, no. at the same time, I was like, sounds like some weird 80s sports movie Ken would like. Uh, that's a great. <laughs> I, <did. And> I, <laughs> I love it. Phenomenal. Yeah. It's a great name. Uh, Karate Kid, the wrestler, Dodgeballs Me, Drew, Major League, Caddyshack, Rocky Four. We're having a slight amendment here. You can make one change if you want. Would you make a change? No, no, no. I'm good. Okay. You're gonna. You should. You're you gonna should make back, a change. You should. You're back gonna make out a change. I'm changing is because I you don't should think back out on the wrestler. While you yeah, can. I shouldn't. Back and I actually think most of too. the listeners would agree with me, but I'm gonna change it to any given <laughs> Sunday. Because <laughs> I'll I give you that one. You know who? You know who is great in any given Sunday was Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor was yeah. great in that. He was great in that movie. Remember when he great. saw the SUV in half? Saw in the SUV yeah. in half. That's the best part. Shark, Shark LeVay uh, or whatever his here, name Actually, was. I want to change it again. Does date night qualify? <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about Teen Wolf? He plays a lot of basketball. Oh, love yeah, that te- movie. I Teen can't Wolf's believe great. I thought Ken would take Teen Wolf for nah. sure. No, man. No. I thought Drew, I mean, I thought Drew was going to take Moneyball, Field of Dreams, and Major League. Got to diversify, man. I love Field of Dreams, though, too. Do you, can I go through my big board of undrafted? Yeah. White Man Can't Please. Jump, Talladega Nights. Okay, so oh, honestly. White Man Can't Jump was good, too. Yeah. Honestly, my first-round pick, which went undrafted, I I highly consider taking Bull Durham over Major oh. League. I, I really – like, talk about having all aspects. Bull Durham ha- is hilarious, but also kind of brings in some uh, romance into this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Varsity Blues for me, just because it, it really – we were in high school when that came out, and, and it's, it's like the perfect combo of a sports mm-hmm. movie, but it's also the American Pie kind of era. Of, yep. Uh, so, Var- I. I like your pick of any given Sunday. I would take Varsity Blues over any given Sunday, though. Varsity Blues, I think, is a very underrated sports movie. Great Agreed. movie. Yeah. Um, I did have White Man Can't Jump. That's actually uh, one of my early favorites. Uh, Field of Dreams went undrafted, which Amazing. was was kind of surprising just because I think if if you looked at the Internet's rankings of sports movies, well, Field did, of Dreams would have been up there. We did talk about it. Just nobody committed to it, um, but I do think that's. I mean, it's it's amazing to me nobody took Raging Bull or or Rocky the first one either. And Rocky's on my list. Rage Raging Bull's great though too. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Talladega, the- Can I finish my list? Or no? <laughs> no, I only have two more. All right, I have two and a half. Lol. Okay. All caps. Talladega, Talladega Nights. Uh, the only reason I didn't is because. 
the outtakes of Talladega Nights are funnier than the actual movie of Talladega Nights, but it's it's a phenomenal sports it movie. Be on the Blu-ray. That's true. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, shit, I wish I thought about outtakes. Yeah. Um, lastly, when Ken brought up um, Bad News Bears, my Same childhood lot. movie was The Sandlot. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's a you know, movie. you know the other one. If we're going, my like daughter loves it thing that i feel like we I, I i didn't even think about until you guys started talking to be honest it was the same thing ken said bad news bears made me think of sandlot and then i was like mighty ducks i watched that movie a yeah. hundred fucking times yeah That's my scary. daughter loves mighty ducks and sandlot yeah. like i think she has a crush on uh on um <laughs> Bombay? On the, no 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 i think she has a crush on the kid who has the slap the the big slap shot? What's his name? Wilton or something? The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> oh, the guy that yeah. wait, the guy that goes to the Knights, that no, like no, no, leaves no. the team and comes back. No, no, no. Adam Banks. No, the one yeah. who they like found in the street and who like had the slap shot and couldn't skate. Like the big what, dude. Yeah, what was his name? Wilton. I think my daughter has a crush on him. And uh, oh. in Mighty Ducks too, the other kid when they fought everybody and stuff. I don't know. She loves those movies, and and she loves Sandlot too. She loves Sandlot too because there's girls in it. Did you guys know there's a new Mighty Ducks coming out on March 26th? No. Yeah, it's amazing. Who could forget? Yeah, Gordon Bombay came out of retirement. Did he again? Yeah. For like yeah, now, now, now he's now he's shaking a coke habit, and he's got a coke. <laughs> All right, can I go through my my uh, outtakes for this, please? Real do. quick. All right. Uh, one, the natural, because uh, the scene where he hits the lights at the end is friggin' amazing. Um, and I love that movie when I was a kid. Uh, I had Miracle on my list. Great movie. In my opinion, mm-hmm. we talked about this earlier in the week, and I'll just give it away now. If there was any sporting event I could ever be at, it would be 1980 USA-USSR hockey game. That must have been amazing. Uh, I got Remember the Titans, Bull Durham, Wildcats. Great movie. Uh, I also had um, Remember the Titans. The original Rocky and A League of Their Own. Love that movie. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta tell you, A League of Their Own is actually kind of a another movie. I, I distinctly remember watching that movie multiple times. This time, of course, not with my dad, but with my mom. My mom loved that film. <laughs> yeah. For obvious reasons. You know, it being sort of one of the first female-centric sports movies that was yeah. made. But I, I you, you know what also also is amazing about that movie? You know who was the star of that film at the Madonna at the time? Madonna Gina Davis. Madonna. Yeah. Madonna's who talks about Madonna now? No, you know, she's nobody. sort of just fallen to to our past. People with 80s hair. But the best line in that movie is when uh, Tom Hanks signs the ball for the kid and he's like, avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan, and hands him the ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It's amazing. Hey, I had one question for you guys because I did do some research. On, I went to Rotten Tomatoes, looked up the best sports movies of all time. I was a little taken back that The Big Lebowski was listed as yeah. a sports movie. Yeah, see, that's kind of getting into territory where I don't know that some of these films are technically sports movies, in my opinion. Agreed. I think every one that we took was a sports movie. Yeah. Let me, Absolutely. let me, we'll, we'll move on here to the grab bag in just one second, but give me one pick, not movie, TV show, sports for you, you love. Oh, mine's mine's all star. Eastbound and Down. Kenny Powers is one of my favorite Great. shows of all time. Great show. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to go with, um, I'm, oh, actually, I can go with two here. One is one was Playmakers, the one show that was on ESPN for a year. That show was great. And then the league com- <laughs> do, the NFL do you complained, complained do you about when, it. Do you remember when they were like, they were in like Miami or something to play the team from Miami and they like saw them in the bar the night before and yeah. they got into like a seven on seven, seven football game in yes. the alley behind the bar. That was horrible. <laughs> and then the running back went and smoked crack before the game. Um, that was crazy. But the league complained. That was actually a really good show. And um, the other one is uh, Ballers with The Rock. Like mm-hmm. a guilty pleasure TV show. Horrible, yeah. but I had to watch it every week. Yeah, Loved it was it. guilty pleasure, but it was yeah. sort of fun to watch. I'm going to get shit because a show that maybe isn't even considered a sports show to either of you two, and it's a more recent one, Queen's Gambit. Oh, my God. Fucking I could do amazing. A- I could do an entire podcast on how fucking bad the Queen's Gambit was. It is <laughs> one of the greatest pieces of television made in the last Couldn't make years. it through. Couldn't make it through. Uh, Kept tell, falling asleep. T- talk about, okay, God, here's what I'll say. My opinion of Here, both of you is lowered like... Here's what oh, I'll well. say. That should have been a movie, and it would have been a movie that was probably nominated for Best Picture. But good <laughs> God. Like, jab my eyes out for the middle, like, six episodes. <laughs> You know, it was a great sports TV show. It was Coach. Great show. Craig T. Nelson when he was the coach. Yeah. You don't remember, remember that show? Uh, it was in the 80s. It was in the 80s. I, I used to watch Coach. I had CBS. Great show, man. Great show. I think it was on ABC, but, yeah, NBC. I can't believe you just brought up the Queens game. I, I, have to tell you, I, I can't believe how disgusted I am with both of you that you uh, – I literally <laughs> – <such a way. laughs> I literally finished the it Queens Gambit last night only because – my wife was like incessant on a, she like, we, when we start a show, we have to finish it. And I'm like, did actually okay, like, like it put me out of my misery. She agrees with me that it should have been a movie. Like it'd be a great movie. There's just so many unnecessary no for delicate, great things. Yeah. Yeah. She goes All on right. a bender in the second. You know to last what time it is. Here's one that feels like it was ripped straight from the pages of Teen Vogue. Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley have announced their engagement, so we're going to pretend we exist in a world where we're celebrities announcing our own engagements to other celebrities. Who is it to? Can you get to go first? Be a gentleman. That's a great one. I think this might have been my idea because I I haven't entered a grab bag in a while, but... um, I think for me, the list begins and ends with Charlize Theron. Not only is she beautiful, but she seems like the type of woman that like I'd come home from work with like a 12 pack of Miller High Lifes and she'd like grab it, put it in the fridge, crack one open and be like, you want me to save you a few? <laughs> I don't know. She just yeah, seems cool, or, or she'd expect you to do that for her. Probably. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know, man. But uh I, that would, I don't know. Maybe Mark has some intel on this and I don't know, but we're about the same age. She's beautiful. She seems pretty cool. That's my pick. Yeah, she is. She is amazing. Uh, both as an actress and a person, she has a super interesting backstory. I don't know if you know this, mm-hmm. but she and her mother in self-defense killed her father. 
I did not know that. I know she's yeah. from South Africa, but that's amazing. Yeah. He was abusive and went after him and they protected themselves and killed him. Wow. Yeah. She's wow. a strong, independent woman. Oh, Obviously, uh, hey. uh, you know, I'll just make her laugh. Fabulous actress. Beautiful one. Great pick. Uh, Drew, if we ever run into her in the same place, you can push me into her. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see how that works out. Drew, why is it Jared Leto? Oh, <sighs> one's Jared an Leto? actor, one's a crow. It's the Jared <laughs> and Andrew show. So I think I'm going to take a little different angle on this. Uh, my wife has already know, known this. I think it, I'm going to say, like, if I could switch places with somebody, because everyone who is on this podcast, Ken and Mark, know I'm a baseball guy. I think if I could switch places with one person, which means who my wife would be, it would be Justin Verlander. I'm going Kate Upton. That's a good one, man. Maybe one day you can climb it. You could crawl through his asshole and just fill your body parts into dude, his mate, skin. Dude, <laughs> dude throws 100 miles an hour. He has $200 million plus contract. He has a World Series ring. Justin Verlander. He's got a really hot wife. I'm not marrying Justin Verlander. I'm marrying Kate Upton. There you go. You could marry both of them. Could be I would. a polygamist relationship. I'd that be down. Be a, that would be a coup. So if Justin and Kate came to you and Ashley and said, hey, Let's be a couple, couple, a thruple. Yeah, is that what it's called? <laughs> I don't a know. Four, a florple. <laughs> you guys a want po- me to ask pod? Ashley? <laughs> you guys want me to ask Ashley? I'll bring her in here. Yeah. Would you co <laughs> cohabitate bedrooms? Yeah. Why don't you give your answer and I'll ask. I'll, I'll <laughs> ask you to that question. My answer as to who I'm choosing. Yes. As my celebrity yeah. engagement. Mine's very easy. I have the biggest crush in the world on Ana de Armas. It's so big. Couldn't even explain it to you. I think she is just who the most adorable person in the world. Uh, Cuban who? Spanish actress, Ana de Armas. Have you seen Blade Runner or Knives Out? I've seen. Yes. No, yes. Knives Out. The that lead was good. Of, the lead of Knives Out. The, yes. The girl. Oh, I oh, love her more than anything. She just broke up with Ben one, Affleck. Man. She's a single woman. Woo woo. That's a good one, man. You're in. Yeah. You're in. Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome back to full blown no. coverage, Ashley. <laughs> we have an important question to ask you. Okay. In a hypothetical scenario, where okay, so, so I should tell you, we're doing a grab bag where okay. uh, it's based on the fact that Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley just announced their engagement, right? Yeah, so we're, super weird. We're, we're pretending we exist in a world where we're celebrities announcing our own engagement to another celebrity. Okay. Drew said he okay. would do Kate Upton, but in this in this particular scenario, it's a it's a possible forpal situation where you get Justin, he gets Kate, you guys would have to cohabitate. Would you do this? In. In? <laughs> yes. Love it. Huh? It's, I'm a, a it's a cohabitation. Chaser, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thumbs up grab bag from Ashley. If Good he job, can score Ash. Kate Upton, I'll do it. <laughs> there you go. That's amazing. Okay. Thanks, Ashley. It? 
Okay, you're, thanks, guys. You're, you're dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. My so Drew missed. I'm picking on Adarmus because I. Who's that? Uh, have you seen? <laughs> I actually, I actually suggested Andrew watch this movie the other day. Knives Out. Good movie. Gotta oh, yeah. watch it. The yeah. girl in it. The yeah, Cuban she's dating uh, uh, the Boston guy, Ben Affleck, but no longer. Yeah. She dumped hmm. him. She's um, available then, Mark. She's available. I have a huge crush on her. Like- my other my other two celebrity crushes are Federica Sabatini, who is an Italian actress from a show called Sabura. Love it. And Jenna Coleman, <laughs> who is a British actress from Doctor Who and now PBS's Victoria. Mark loves PBS shows. <laughs> he does. I do. Is this podcast oh, is this podcast, podcast over? Are we recording? <laughs> all right, that's all we've got for today's episode. But tune in next week for more full blown coverage. Uh, full blown. Full blown. Full blown. Full blown. <laughs>